0: Let us bow our heads and join our hearts in the spirit of prayer. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, you who are present throughout the vast universe and also in the smallest blade of grass, you who have called the mighty galaxies into being and fashioned the smallest atom, we praise you for the beauty, the majesty, and the wonder of this world that you have created. thank you for the beauty of this day. Thank you for the beauty of the seasons, the seasons of the year and for the seasons of our lives. We thank you for the warmth of the summer sun, smell of flowers, the gentle wind. Oh God, we pray that we will never become so lost in the world that we have created, that we forget to celebrate the world that you have created. We pray that we will never become so hardened by our quest for power and control over your world. That we will be untouched by the simple beauty of all that you have brought into being. That we will be untouched by the millions of little animals, incarnations of you, that have perished in the enormous fire that has devastated our neighbor Canada. God, we gather this morning in this beautiful sanctuary as individuals on a spiritual journey. Call us forth into the fullness of the life you would have us lead. We awaken our consciousness of the resources for living that you have placed within our hands and and that you have placed within our hearts. Touch us in some way during this service of worship that both in these moments of worship and also in the week to come Our thoughts, feelings, words, and actions will give witness to our experience of your presence this morning. God, we gather here this morning as a pilgrim church, as a gathering of people who are aware of their need for you and for each other, as a church that throughout the generations has constantly tried to be true to its calling as a servant church. Call us forth as a life as a church into the life you would have us lead. In the service of worship, in our Sunday morning fellowship, and in all our church activities, touch us and lead us with the gentle guiding hand of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us as a church just as you spoke to the churches of old, to the Apostle Paul, that we might hear your saving, healing, comforting, and challenging words. God, we pray for ourselves this morning, for we are in need of you. We stand in need of your forgiveness, your healing, your guidance. You know us better than we know ourselves. Help us to know ourselves as you know us. Help us to love ourselves as you love us. Help us to transform our lives to become the kind of persons you would have us be. God, we would not be your people, we would not be a servant church if our prayers stopped with ourselves. We pray for all those in our families, in our church family, in our community, in our nation, and in the world that are in need of your healing and guidance. We pray for all those who are going through difficult times. God, in these moments of prayer we hold before you all those whom we know to be in special need. Help them to become aware of your comforting, strengthening, healing presence within them. Bring light and hope to the darkness of their days. These moments of silent prayer behold before you all whom we know to be in special need. We ask this our sanctuary prayer and our many prayers, both spoken and unspoken. In the Spirit of our risen Lord, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power of and the glory forever. Amen. This morning as we're continuing our Sunday morning Bible study of the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, I'd like to go back and just pick up two, uh, a couple of verses that uh, I'd like us to think about this morning. Um, So beginning with the first chapter, just verses 1 and 2, and then the third chapter, verses 1 through 6. Paul, An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And from the third chapter, Paul writes, This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I wrote above in a few words a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ in former generations this mystery was not made known to humankind as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the Gospels. This ends our scripture lessons for this morning. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. For this morning's reflection on Paul's letter to the Ephesians, I'd like us, as I mentioned, to go back to the first verses of the first chapter and the first verses of the third chapter, the chapter that we read last week. As you recall, in the salutation from chapter 1 of this letter, Paul describes himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus, quote, by the will of God, unquote. He then extends his blessing to all the churches that were intended to receive this encyclical. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This opening blessing is found in all of Paul's letters. Paul's blessing of shalom is an ancient Semitic uh, greeting of peace. To this blessing, however, Paul adds something new. Grace. Grace refers to the acceptance, forgiveness, and love that God bestows freely as an expression and outpouring of God's goodness. God gives to us freely and graciously, not because we deserve it, but because God loves us as a parent loves his or her child. This is the gospel the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he uses the term shalom, Paul is talking about inner peace. Inner peace is a gift. Even though it is a gift, we need to do our part to create the conditions that lead to this faith-filled experience. We can meditate, become still, and open ourselves to the Holy Spirit within us. We can hold others and our life situation in an attitude of prayer. We can grow in the knowledge and love of God. We can ask Jesus to help us take on his mind and his heart, to see ourselves, others, and life as he would see them. Ultimately, however, the peace that passes all understanding is a gift. It flows from the grace of God. This, of course, reminds me of a Buddhist story. It's told by Christina Feldman and Jack Cornfield in their book, Stories of the Spirit, Stories of the Heart, they write. A Zen master was invited to a great Catholic monastery to give instruction in Zen practice. He exhorted the monks there to meditate and to try to solve their koan or Zen question with great energy and zeal. He told them that if they could practice with full-hearted effort, true understanding would come to them. One old monk raised his hand. Master, he said, our way of prayer is different from this. We have been meditating and praying in the simplest fashion, without effort, waiting instead to be illuminated by the grace of God. In Zen, is there anything like this illuminating grace that comes to one uninvited? The Zen master looked back and laughed. In Zen, he said, we believe that God has already done his share. The Zen master, whether he knows it or not, is very Christian. As Christians, we believe that God takes the initiative to reach out to us. And God already has in Christ. All we have to do is respond, but we do need to respond. And being open and receptive to God's Holy Spirit, whom we experience both among and within us, is the first step in responding. From his own personal experience, Paul knows that Jesus Christ was and is a special channel of God's blessing. As we deepen our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we deepen our relationship with God, and we become more fully the experiential recipients of God's grace. If we are the recipients of God's grace, of God's love, of God's great gifts, why do we not feel it more strongly than we do? Why do we not experience what Jesus called the peace that passes all understanding? Why do God's acceptance, forgiveness, compassion, and love not shine forth in our lives more fully than they do? In the opening passages of chapter 3, Paul suggests an answer. We know that at the time he wrote this letter, Paul was in prison because he had aroused the hostility of the secular and religious authorities by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He aroused the hostility of the Jewish Christians by advocating the equality of Gentiles in the newly emerging Christian church. Paul seemed to have a talent for annoying people. He challenged the people of his day and the leaders of the early church to think bigger, to think outside the little boxes that defined and limited them, the boxes that imprisoned God, others, and themselves. Paul challenged them, just as he challenges us, to move past our egocentrism to become Christocentric, to live in a much bigger world. As we heard last week, Paul tells us that our quote inner being unquote can be strengthened through the spirit of Jesus Christ. If we have faith, Christ will dwell in our hearts. When Christ dwells in our hearts, dwells in our hearts, our lives will be grounded in love. We will be able, as Paul says, to comprehend the breadth, length, height, and depth of God's love revealed to us in Christ Jesus we will be filled with the fullness of God and the peace that passes understanding. In the opening verses of this letter, Paul declares himself to be, quote, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, unquote. Note the preposition for. This implies that Paul was writing this letter from Rome where he was imprisoned for being a follower of Jesus. He was imprisoned because he was a follower of Jesus. However, if you happen to look down to the bottom of the page in your new Revised Standard Version of the Bible, the text we use in this church, you will find an alternative translation of the back passage. It says that the passage may also be read. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ Jesus." There's a big difference between being a prisoner for Christ Jesus and being a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And I believe both are true of Paul. In chapter 1, we noted that Paul talks about being in Christ Jesus. Once again, I think the choice of verb and preposition is significant. Being in Christ Jesus is different from believing in Christ Jesus. Being in implies oneness, no difference, no separation. Believing in implies a difference, a separation, a certain distance. Being in Christ Jesus is different from being a follower or a disciple of Jesus, which also implies distance. The alternative reading of the opening verse of chapter 3 implies that Paul is not imprisoned for being a Christian, though this was indeed the case, but that he is a prisoner of Christ and that through this bondage, Through being yoked to Christ, he has actually been set free. When he describes himself as a prisoner of Christ, Paul takes a metaphor with a negative connotation, being a prisoner, and gives it a positive spin. Paul suggests that the problem is not that we are prisoners, the problem is that we are imprisoned by or to, or in, the wrong things. As we noted back in our country's Independence Day weekend, the goal of the Christian life is freedom. But it is not freedom. To be sure, as Paul says, we need to be freed from our idols, from the demonic powers that enslave us. However, we are not meant to be free-floating or detached, not tied to, not connected to, not committed to anything. In fact, the root meaning of the word religion means to yoke, bind, or connect. In Latin, ligio means to bind or connect, as a ligament connects muscle to bone. Re means again, as in recall, repurpose. So, the word religion actually means to reconnect, to yoke or bind once again, to join that which was originally whole, but which has become separated, or broken, or alienated. Paul suggests that we need to be connected, related, yoked, bound, even imprisoned to something greater than ourselves. He then, of course, suggests that this something, or someone, is Christ. Whether we know it or not, we are all prisoners of something. We may be imprisoned by our past, by neurotic patterns of behavior that are the archaic remnants of early childhood trauma. We may be imprisoned by our anxieties, by our fears, We may be imprisoned by our addiction to food, alcohol, drugs, wealth, or work. We may be imprisoned by our quest for happiness or security. We may also imprison other people by our expectations of them or our need to control them. If we look carefully, we will probably discover that we are prisoners of something. Paul invites us to become prisoners of Christ. He invites us to enthrone Christ in the center of our lives. The more we become connected, related, yoked, bound, or imprisoned to Christ, the more we will be free from the demonic forces that would enslave us. To become a prisoner of Christ is to be truly free. The Apostle Paul would concur with the sentiment of Richard Lovelace who, while in prison in 1649, wrote the following to his love, Althea. Stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. Minds innocent and quiet take that for a hermitage. If I have freedom in my love and in my soul am free, angels alone, that soar above, enjoy such liberty. That's from to Althea from prison, stanza four. Except Paul would call us to be free through our bondage to and our love, not for Althea, not to another human being, but our love to and for Christ. In 1890, George Matheson wrote the words of today's closing hymn, Make me a captive, Lord. I invite us to hold these words as our prayer in the week to come. George Matheson wrote Make me a captive, Lord, and then I shall be free. Force me to render up my sword, and I shall conqueror be. I sink in life's alarms when by myself I stand. Imprison me within thine arms and strong shall be my hand. My heart is weak and poor until its master find. It has no spring of action sure. It varies with the wind. It cannot freely move till thou hast wrought its chain. Enslave it which with thy matchless love, and deathless it shall reign. My will is not my own till thou hast made it thine. If it would reach a monarch's throne, it must its crown resign. It only stands unbent amid the clashing strife, when on thy bosom it has leant, and found in thee its life. Yes, our faith sets us free. But if we are to be truly free, free of the demonic powers that would enslave us and that lead us to hurt those whom we love, we must first become captives. We must first become enslaved. We must first become prisoners. Prisoners of Christ. If we do this, the freedom we experience will not separate us from our brothers and sisters. It will connect us with them more deeply. It will deepen our commitment to this little community of faith, our commitment to becoming disciples of the way. It will deepen our commitment to each other, and it will deepen our commitment to our brothers and sisters throughout the world, especially those who are struggling or going through very difficult times. Let us pray. Jesus, as the Apostle Paul reminds us, you have called us to be saints. Guard us from backing off from our high calling. Remind us of this calling in our daily lives. You have given us all we need to live a saintly life. You have given us your word, which is implanted deep within our hearts. You have given us your Holy Spirit to guide, comfort, and strengthen us. You have given us the church, the fellowship of believers, to nurture us on our journey. Help us to become prisoners of you. Help us in all we think, feel, say, and do to let our lives show forth your love. Help us in the week to come to discover the width, breadth, length, and depth of your gracious love. To experience them in our own lives and to share them with others. If we can do this in our daily lives, we will show forth your presence and our love to our families and friends those with whom we work and even those with whom we are at odds or from whom we are alienated. Help us to do this as individuals and as a church, as your church. We ask this prayer in your name and in your spirit. Amen. The Apostle Paul founded and supported many churches around Asia, made Asia Minor. Remember his Ministry was a ministry to the Gentiles. He knew just as we knew how central the message of sharing is to our Christian faith, the sharing of our gospel in word and deed. He knew how important the sacrament of giving was to the survival and mission of these early Christian churches. Paul not only knew the joy of giving, he knew that giving does not deplete us. Hoarding depletes us. I know it doesn't seem to make sense, but we actually end up with more when we give. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 8, Paul says, The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. God has given us so much. We in this country have, to use Paul's words, every blessing in abundance. We have, as Paul says, enough of everything we need. It is out of a sense of gratitude for our blessings, for our abundance that we share cheerfully and abundantly with the world through this church. Let us consecrate our morning offering, our mission offering, and the many gifts we joyfully share with our church and with this world. Let us pray. Thank you, Creator God, for your bounteous grace, for this dedicated community of faith, and for the precious gift of our lives. Bless the offerings that we return to you, And grant that they might further the realm of your kingdom here and through our mission outreach to the wider world. Work through each of us and through all the ministries of our little church that we might show forth your light and love to all your children. We ask this in the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.